Hey guys, I was just sitting here talking to Lindsay about Total Bev's new app. It's incredible. You can shop 5,000 different wines, 2,000 beers, 3,500 spirits, anytime, anywhere. Better yet, you can have Total Beverage shop for you and pick it up inside prepaid and waiting for you. Wait a second, that is so cool. So can I still get it delivered if I use the app? Absolutely. I know you guys have heard of their delivery service. Total Beverage will deliver to your house within 90 minutes or less. We can even save you 10 bucks on a purchase of 50. Use promo code TOTALLY10 at checkout. What's also amazing, BSN fam, if you can't find an item you want, Total Bev will give you suggestions of similar items on the shelf. Or you can request a special item right from your phone. It really doesn't get much better than that. Remember, use promo code TOTALLY10 at checkout to save. That's T-O-T-A-L-L-Y-10. Welcome in to the BSN Rockies podcast. It really wasn't talked about back then when I was in middle school and high school about pitching at elevation. The majority of the staff, I think, except for Marquez, we all came through the system of the Rockies, and, and you can see that this was installed a long time ago. We're going to put a team on the field that's that's on a hit and play defense well, but also have a, a group of pitchers that know what it takes to pitch at this level and also you know, pitching at Coors with everything that goes along with that, with the, you know, altitude and everything. It's very special, and we pride ourselves on it. And once I actually got off the family plan, I actually texted him, hey, I got my own phone bill, and he's like, it's about time. <laughs> so it was a pretty good one. Did you have a gold glove before you were on your own phone plan? Um, Yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> I got brought in with runner at second, and I walked the eight, nine-hole guys um, who I faced in AAA earlier that year. And then all of a sudden, Derek Jeter comes over with bases loaded, and I'm like, oh, man, what do I do? But I started him off the breaking ball, actually, for a strike, and I ended up oh, striking him out. So. <laughs> what, do I, what do I do? I'll surprise him. <laughs> and now, your host, Drew Priestman. Welcome into the BSN Rockies podcast presented by The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or browse their entire inventory online at mygreensolution.com. Reserve products online and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout. You'll be in and out in minutes. Use code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Now, let's jump into the show. On today's episode, we've got to talk about a win. A win for your Colorado Rockies right there in the standings, counted and everything, a, a, a win, pretty solid, pretty comfortable win for the Colorado Rockies over the New York Yankees in the final of the three-game set. I don't know how anyone is feeling uh, about this at this particular moment. It sets up an interesting situation now going into Washington for four, where I was talking to somebody the other day, uh, I think it was our guy Henry Chisholm, uh, over at BSN Denver has done a lot of the audio stories for us. Is uh, getting ready to ramp up and do some really fun things at, at BSN. He's uh, done a lot of the graphics. If you guys did that build your all-time Rockies lineup thing that we did on Twitter with the graphics, and you get a certain amount of money, and you can, you know, make make your team. Those were a lot of fun. I think we're going to do more things like that. He and our guy Ethan. Uh, who's an intern now at BSN. They've been working hard on those kinds of things. So I think as Henry was saying, you know, it just feels like they're never going to go totally out of it and make you feel like, yeah, I can just stop paying attention or 
or just as I was saying on a podcast recently, start paying attention to other things like just are they going to start playing the younger guys? Are they going to go with maybe some more uh, question mark type of prospects a little earlier than they would have just to see what they've got? There was an interesting move made where the Rockies brought up Jeff Hoffman and sent down Antonio Sensatella and also where they uh, sent out Mark Reynolds, brought up Sam Howard for now. Uh, But I don't think that's going to remain. The Rockies aren't going to have a three-man bench. I was actually hoping uh, maybe by the time I finish uh, even recording this podcast, they'll have announced another move. I would guess Yonder Alonso, who's really been raking in AAA since the Rockies brought him into the organization, would come up and try to be that replacement bat for Reynolds. But So they're still kind of making these moves because they're in it, right? And so Henry was saying, they're just going to hang around. They're going to keep giving you hope. They're going to keep finding ways to not be totally out of it, to mathematically be close enough that, you know, <laughs> you, you can keep telling yourself, like, look, here's the situation. They're five games out of the wild card, and they have four games coming up with the leader in the wild card. This is unlikely to happen, but your brain goes, well, if they sweep the Nationals, not impossible, and no one would be out of this world shocked. It would be a surprising turn of events considering the way the Rockies have been playing. But they just pick up this win, final game in New York. Marquez looked a lot better. They've got a couple of intriguing potential pitching matchups here. And we know the offense can get into a groove. We've seen that happen before. We've seen the way they came out of the 3-12 and start. And if they've just wrapped up another essentially 3-12, and is even a little bit worse than that, stretch here. They lost the final six going into the break. Brief respite by beating the, the Reds in that series, but then getting swept by the Giants and two in a row to the Yankees. But they come out, they get this win, but again... How does that make you feel? Where does that put you in terms of your level of confidence? Probably not that much higher than it was before the win. If they'd have been swept by the Yankees, though, you're probably going, that's it. They're done. They come out, they get this one win. And all of a sudden, it does change the conversation a little bit. It's like we were saying on the last podcast. Remember, I was making a big deal about sometimes it really does all come down to that one pitch. And for Kyle Freeland, if he gets Edwin Encarnacion to roll that one over instead of hitting it into the seats, you could be talking about a series win here for the Rockies. And then you could be talking about both Freeland and Marquez looking really, really good moving forward. And you'd be going, "Mm, maybe they're going to hang around and maybe they should buy. Maybe they're going to do what they did the last two years and go on this run in the last part of the season. It's all right there. They're coming up with Peter Lambert, who's looking much, much better as of late. John Gray here in this Washington National Series. Then another look at Kyle Freeland against a team whose calling card has been pitching and not so much the offense. An opportunity for him. He's looked much better in the early innings the last two times out for him to build on what he's been doing and and get a little bit more comfortable out on the road. But you just don't know. And so it may come down to this. A four-game set with the Washington Nationals for your season. 
And and again, they're not going to be necessarily out of it, even if they get swept here in four. But if it does go the other way, you've got to get back into that mode of they're right there and they should be considering buying and they should be considering shifting around pieces that are going to help them go on a run in the latter part of the season. Because a four-game sweep of the Nationals or, or a three-to-one series win over the Nationals for the Rockies would tell you a couple of things. Again, one, they can hang with these teams who are in the wild card race. And two, just mathematically speaking, because they are ahead of them, that would pull them right back into the race. The Rockies are five games out right now. It doesn't look good uh, at, at all. And if they lose this series or even if they split the series, I think you're still looking at a team that it makes more sense to sell off some pieces. We've talked about the ones before. I, I've, I think I've made it clear at this point my general philosophy on the type of selling that, that, that would make sense for them to do at all. Briefly, Murphy, Desmond, McGee, Shaw, Dunn, uh, uh, Davis, whatever you can get for those guys. But if they come out strong here and look like the team, I mean, it was one day and they looked like a completely different team on Sunday than they did in the first two against the Yankees. And the first one, and Daniel, I agree, Freeland didn't look terrible at all. Really, it was that one inning that got away from him. And that game spiraled out of control. But it came down to one pitch. And you could argue, too. I think there's a, a solid argument to be made. I'd have to go back and look at the box score to remind myself exactly what inning. But where, where the Rockies broke through in yesterday's ball game with the Nolan Arenado double down the line. And that was the one pitch that swung that game in the Rockies' favor, like we were talking about before with the Freeland pitch to Encarnacion. Rockies had the bases loaded, nobody out, and Trevor Story struck out in a one-to-one ball game. So now you've got bases loaded, one out. Nolan Arenado hits a ground ball to the shortstop there, and they roll it up. That you're, that's killed your momentum. That's one of the best scoring opportunities you've had to really put a big number on the board all series against the Yankees. That's where they won the ball game, and that at bat. Nolan Arenado rips the double. David Dahl gets a single after that. Chris Iannetta drawing walks all day, really helping you keep runners out there. And it's not that they couldn't or wouldn't have still gone on further runs like the Yankees did in the first game, then scoring a few more off of the bullpen. But it, it changes everything. You might not even get to the bullpen if Paxton gets out of that situation or if Freeland gets out of his situation, picks up another couple of innings. The guys who gave up the runs out the pen might not even come into that game. And, and so... Oftentimes, it really does come down to one pitch, one at bat, one pitch, swings a game, swings a series, swings a season. And we're going to have a few of those. This should be eyes glued. And, and I know a lot of people don't want to be, you know, hanging on every single pitch for the Rockies right now because it's been so brutal lately. But this is this is it. There's going to be a series of moments in this four game set that are going to decide the season probably in a lot of ways for the Rockies. And if they can find a way to win those moments, win those pitches, they can salvage their season. They can go on a run and they can play in the postseason again in 2019 through all of this craziness. But it has to happen now. You could not have gotten a better sign 
that Hermen Marquez has hit rock bottom and is, as I put it on the podcast the other day, rebounding with a vengeance. That it, the worst start of his career, and I, I, I'm telling you, when I stood there in the clubhouse after that game, and I, I sent that tweet out about how he was holding tears back, and I was iffy about sending that out. I, I want to be straight with everyone. I was 50-50 about whether or not it was fair of me or whether or not I did the best job of providing the full context of him holding tears back and what I felt that meant, which is why I also came on the podcast and talked about how I felt he looked determined to never let that happen again. And I think we're going to see a very good Armand Marquez for the rest of this season. I was not at all surprised to see him go seven innings and give up just three hits. The two runs on absolute Yankee Stadium homers. Rockies got kind of one of those themselves on the leadoff blast from Charlie Blackman. DJ LeMayhew uh, followed that with one of his own with all of the irony you could possibly want in this series, especially from LeMayhew, even David Hale getting into the game, all the ex-Rockies all the time. Uh, But the leadoff home runs for the best friends was pretty hilarious to be sure. But first pitch of the game, a front row, 322-foot home run or whatever it was. It barely wouldn't be out anywhere else. Marquez gives up a homer. A little bit later on, it's a Talkman. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. Uh, again, front row at Yankee Stadium, not going to be a home run most places. He only gives up three hits in the game, goes seven. Maybe could have gone eight if not for those wall scrapers. Fantastic performance. That's uh, other than going out and throwing a no hitter or something like that. This is as quality a bounce back as you could have hoped for Herman Marquez. And if he's going to get back to being that version of himself for the rest of the season, matching it with I think we just saw a blip from John Gray. Again, he's going to get a, an opportunity to pitch in a big game here. We talk a lot about big game John. Where's his mentality at? Can he pitch in a big game? And I've been saying all season well they're not going to be any big games till they get to september or october well i was wrong he faces off against steven strasburg in the second game of this set after lambert goes if lambert tonight can get a win and the rockies and lambert can get a win over eric fetty who's got a 350 era uh he's only let's see he's only been in the rotation for a little while here and he's been knocked around by the Rockies before. He only has two starts against them, but a 12-30 ERA. If they can go out there and their offense can get going against him and Lambert can have a good game, then John Gray has got to come out and pitch the best game of his season or one of the best games of his season against Steven Strasburg on Tuesday night. Because that puts the Rockies suddenly in the driver's seat. You take the first two in Washington against the leader in the wild card, and you can forget. This team will. With the veterans and the presence they have in there, they will forget everything that has come before July 23rd if they've just beaten those those guys two games in a row. But if they haven't, if, they've, if they lose those first two, that's demoralizing. That's deflating. That could be your season. So, yes, John Gray has a big game to pit. And, and if it goes the other way, I'd say they lose this evening. Probably, statistically speaking, the most likely outcome. 
Peter Lambert versus Eric Vetti. Nationals take that game. John Gray, all of a sudden, you've got a must win. On Tuesday, July 23rd. Because you win that game and you still have a chance to win the series 3-1. to one. As I was saying earlier, a split that, that puts you back into no man's land when it comes to the trade deadline. A win in your buyers, especially if you can go in after that and take a series in Cincinnati. This is a big one, folks. And the Rockies have put themselves in this position that they've got a potential must-win game here, maybe a must-win series here in July. But if they want reinforcements, if they want additions, if they want help as opposed to some subtractions and and see what happens and, and let the chips fall where they may, now is the time. And I was planning on leaving this till a, a later segment, but since I've jumped into it already here, I'll just, before I go to break, uh, mention very briefly that the third game of the set on Wednesday has Kyle Freeland scheduled to go uh, against To Be Determined, and neither team has announced their starters for Thursday. And it'll be interesting to see what the Rockies do there with Sensatella down. Is Jeff Hoffman going to start? Are they going to consider doing some kind of bullpen game? It's all going to be very interesting. It's all going to uh, be fascinating. And again, the story of their season could be very, very different three games from now. They win the first three games of the set. They might try to find a way to go all out and win that fourth one because sweeping the team that's first in the wild card gets you right back in the race and gives you a ton of confidence moving forward. If they've lost the first three games of the set, you don't go buck wild crazy trying to get a, a starter in for that fourth game or or run out your best lineup when you know guys need rest or whatever else it may be Uh, (laughs) a lot can happen here in the next couple of days one way or another lambert gray freeland here you go this is it so i'm going to take a quick break here Come back on the other side. Uh, I have a few more things I wanted to mention on the Yankee series, and I want to get into answering a couple of questions. It's time to take a second and acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of BSN Denver. Breckenridge is the original Colorado beer established in 1990 in Breckenridge, Colorado. You've probably heard of their delicious vanilla porter, their oatmeal stout, and most people's personal favorite, the world-famous Avalanche, which is their classic American amber ale but they just released a new beer called Strawberry Sky that you guys are just going to love. For you beer enthusiasts out there, they're calling this a light-hearted Kolsch ale. But for those of you who have no idea what that means, this is just a light, delicious summer beer that you've been looking for. So look for Strawberry Sky at your local liquor store or any other Breckenridge beer, and make sure you also look out for the Breckenridge event calendar on bsndenver.com. We just launched it this week. You'll be able to see all of the events we have planned, and we'll be drinking Breck beers at all of them. So RSVP and have a good time. Green Mountain Dental has a long-standing tradition of being one of Lakewood's best family dental care offices. Um, I have been a patient since I was which is in 1974, you know, my parents, myself, and now my children all go there. It's just a great place to be, very positive experience with them, definitely. 
New patients can receive free teeth whitening trays when they schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam. Also, all colored sport mouth guards start at just $25. The doctors will come out and visit with you, um, ask you how your family is doing, you know, just very friendly and family oriented. It's just very comfortable to, to be there. That's GreenMountainDentalGroup.com. Welcome back in to the BSN Rockies podcast presented by the Green Solution. Wanted to continue on a few thoughts with the Yankees series and answer some questions. We can actually do a little bit of both here because Mary asks, in a vacuum, is taking one out of three from the Yankees on the road really all that bad? And in a vacuum, no. That's the problem, though, is that the Rockies have gotten themselves into a situation where they need to make up ground, and, and you can't make up ground winning one out of losing series essentially at this point they and and it's a tough task because as of now the Yankees have the best record in all of baseball and sure does seem like they're playing a lot of teams with phenomenal records lately with you know they they caught the Giants when they were hot but then it's been Yankees Astros Dodgers a lot lately those are really good teams but those are the teams the Rockies are gonna have to beat if they want to get where they're they need to go and so no and and I think furthermore we saw a decent number of positive signs out of that set. Charlie Blackman broke out of his mini funk that he was in coming out of the All-Star break with a four-hit game yesterday, as I mentioned, the solo home run to lead off the game, left on left. I thought we saw a really good series out of Ryan McMahon, even though he didn't have any contributions offensively yesterday. He continues to look good defensively, and I I still thought he took really good at-bats, for the most part, left on left against Paxton. And he had a good set in the first two games. He, he was some of the best offensive production for the Rockies. A uh, couple of decent drives, I thought, from Daniel Murphy. I, I mentioned all of the walking for Chris Iannetta, who's been a lot better at the plate lately than I think he's gotten credit for. Uh, it was really good news to see David Dahl back in there after missing a game and a half, I believe, uh, with the the foot thing. He was back out there, collected a couple of base hits. Uh, he looks good. Obviously, the, the kind of power surge that we finally saw there uh, with Nolan Arenado and Trevor Story, we're going to continue to see those things. And uh, I, I thought, uh, you know, Wade Davis, regardless of which way, the season goes here as we keep talking about the buyers and sellers dynamic showed you more proof that he can pitch away from Coors Field and that's going to be very valuable in trade conversations another one two three inning and it was a a pretty quality all around one two three inning against a team that we know are very capable of putting up big numbers in, in a heartbeat and after you saw, by the way, Scott Ober giving up the two runs on the two-run homer, but then setting the inning down on the very next pitch was just another example of what Colorado is not getting from most of the rest of the bullpen, right? Where even though he got dinged there, uh, it was uh, it was an 8-2 to two game at the time. It became an 8-4 to four game at the time, but it didn't come anywhere close to getting out of hand. And we know it can. He didn't, you know, fall apart and walk the next guy and then give up another couple of base hits and then leave it for someone else to come in and clean the mess. Then that guy gives up a home run and suddenly there goes your lead, right? Because what it's just a reminder that you can't be perfect in this game. 
Scott Oberger is going to give up some runs eventually. He wasn't going to give up zero. He'd been on quite the stretch where he hadn't given up any runs. It was going to happen. But for him to give them up, but not in any way have it really impact the outcome of the game, that's very impressive. That's what the Rockies need other people to do. And it's one of the reasons why I, I keep bringing up Carlos Estevez recently because I, I've mentioned how well he's done. I've had a few people hit me back and be like, but it always seems like he gives up runs. And it's like he he's rarely perfect, but he also doesn't let stuff get out of hand. There was one game in Pittsburgh where Carlos Estevez really let stuff get out of hand. Other than that, he, he doesn't. Even that one inning in San Fran- uh, against San Francisco back at Coors Field that was super frustrating. Bunch of little dinky-dunky singles and a misplay on defense behind him, and it led to two runs, not four or five. And those are the kinds of things that have really cost the Rockies, those four or five-run innings, which very easily could have happened to Wade Davis here, especially against the Yankees. Once they hit that two-run jack, once it's an 8-4 game, you're a slam away. I promise you the Yankees went into the bottom of the ninth inning thinking, yeah, we're going to win this one, or we're, we're, we're going to make them sweat it at the very least. We're going to, you know, they have all the confidence in the world that they can score four runs in an inning against Wade Davis and what he's done lately and in that ballpark and with their talent and with the way the series had gone lately and with the way the Rockies had been playing lately, all of that. Yeah, they had confidence they could win. So for Wade Davis to go in, even though it wasn't technically a save situation, well, it was a four-run thing. There's nobody like no. He went in and sat down a team that can very easily get to four runs quite quickly, and he did it in a one-two-three inning. And I, I think that shows you again it's a guy with some value. Whether it's going to be on the market or or for the team for the rest of the year remains to be seen. But more positive signs from Davis out of the break. Uh, he had a, he had two. At Coors Field, there were one, two, threes, and then he had a couple of bad ones. But back out on the road, he continues to have a sub-one ERA. And I don't know you know, how in trade talks another team wouldn't look at those remarkable splits and go, yeah, Coors Field is doing this guy no favors, and so we can take a chance on taking him out of that environment and trusting his career numbers and his current numbers just away from Coors, even in places like Yankee Stadium. So... Those were those were all good things for the Rockies to to see, especially because those are things that are positive whether they turn their season around or not. Particularly the stuff with the young players, McMahon coming into his own, David Dahl continuing to be a major factor out there. The stuff with Scott Oberg, as I mentioned, these young pitchers coming along earlier. These are all positive signs for the Rockies, and then the stuff for you know Davis is positive for the Rockies if they're going to turn it around they're going to need him if they're not going to turn it around they can probably get something for him if he has a few more of these clean outings one two three out on the road it'd be nice if he could pick up a few of those at home too for his value but uh, that goes either way and and again I think Desmond and Murphy continue to show that they're going to be worth something for the rest of the year I, I was reading a couple of these buyer sell articles recently and and a lot of people seem to be glossing over Desmond there's this weird thing in the local market where uh, a lot of people have just decided since he was so bad the last couple of years and because of the contract that Ian Desmond has no value Uh, I even ran into that a little bit on the Denver Sportscast with our guy Harrison Wind who covers the Nuggets uh, who who suggested trading him for a bucket of baseballs but it's weird to me because he is a right-handed power bat 
who absolutely crushes left-handed pitching and can play like three or four defensive spots for you and can run the bases really well. And so, well, no, I don't think another team out there is going to be excited to take on his entire contract. And no, I don't think there's a team out there that's going to trade their top prospect or even one of their top five prospects for Ian Desmond. I do think that there are a lot of teams out there, especially in the American League, where you can sometimes have him DH or, or work on certain kinds of, of double switches. You can burn him as a pinch runner because you don't need to worry about that as much if you want to use him in that. And you can use him in platoons and have him just go against lefties because whether it's been this year or the last couple of years when he wasn't great for the Rockies, he's always crushed lefties. And so if you just put him in those situations, of course he can be valuable as an extra bat to a team trying to make a run in the postseason. It's it's strange to me that, and I do think it's just the narrative that's kind of built around him here. It's difficult to see that Ian Desmond might have value to somebody else out there, but I, I think that's a little bit tunnel visioned. There, there are a lot of teams out there who are in the race who could use a right-handed power bat who can run the bases and at least play decent de- defense, especially if he doesn't have to roam center field at Coors, which is absolutely a, a killer. But, again, no, I don't think you're going to get uh, – no one's going to unload their farm for Desmond or Murphy or McGee or Shaw or Davis. That's not really the point. Uh, <laughs> but there are there are ways you can build – off of some things you could get for some of those guys and get out from some of the contracts and turn that into some help for next year or extending some of the guys you have and you like if you still want to go through uh, pitching, go after pitching, I should say, via a trade, which is what I think really would be if they don't feel confident that any of their next homegrown guys are are really going to come through or they're just looking for some insurance. The best model would be a trade. I don't think going to free agency in the offseason for starting pitching is a really smart idea. There is one free agent I, I kind of have my eye on and Garrett Cole, but that would cost a ton of money. But he's one of those guys that I just go, well, I, I think he could pitch anywhere. I've always thought he could when he was with the Pirates and they had, were trading pieces off as they did with Garrett Cole eventually. He's one of those guys I always thought, hmm, he'd, he'd do well, I think. I think he'd handle Coors well. But I was like the one free agent I'd spend money on, and I d- still just don't think it's a good idea for the Rockies to spend a bunch of free agent money on starting pitching. It's just never worked out for them, ever, ever, ever in their history. And so I submit that even if they trade off some pieces, that's one of the reasons why Marcus Stroman is so damned intriguing, because he's got a couple years left on that contract. And so even if the Rockies don't turn around this year, it would still make some sense for them. The, now, this is maybe not the best example. I was going to say the Pirates did this last season with Chris Archer, but the Pirates are not. I mean, they're hanging around. They're, they're sort of in, in the Rockies' neighborhood when it comes to the wild card, so I can't say they're out of it any more than the Rockies are. But it's not unheard of to, even in a year where you're not going to compete, make a trade for a right-now piece or, or a next-year piece. And a Marcus Stroman move would still do that. Uh, it, it'll be interesting here. I know our, our good friend Mark Knudsen wrote for uh, a blog they're doing through the 1310 KFKA stuff about how the Rockies should be buyers and sellers, and I totally agree. I think there's a couple of veteran guys they can trade off for not the best of prospects just to get out from underneath uh, their contracts, and I think that the Rockies can 
be aggressive at the deadline in trying to acquire a whether it's a starter, a piece that's still going to be around through next year to help them win, whether it's this season turning around or just going into next year with a bit of momentum. Uh, I think they might be able to work something out both ways, especially if they can find a pitcher, a decent pitcher who's under contract for the next couple of years. That's the biggest thing. The Rockies can't acquire any rentals unless they sweep the Washington Nationals here. You can't be acquiring rentals uh, or, or relievers, especially not reliever rentals, right? But goes the other way. I've just always wanted to see Marcus Stroman in a Rockies uniform, and I kind of love that he's out there, like, selling his services. Like, he knows he's about to get traded, and you know what? Fine. I, the, you don't have to be coy about it. We don't all have to pretend not to know the thing that we know. That's something that happens in sports, actually kind of in life a lot, where we all just kind of collectively agree not to say out loud what we all know is true. And this is one of those things where I see some people be like, Marcus Stroman really shouldn't be out there while he's still playing for the Blue Jays and talking about getting traded. What do you mean? The GM's out there talking about trading him. The media's out there asking the manager about trading him. The media's out there writing articles about trading him. He doesn't get to talk about getting traded? Like, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't mind it at all. I don't mind him saying, hey, I had another great game today. This could be yours for the low, low price of, you know, <laughs> like I, I kind of dig it. Why not? Sell yourself. Gwendolyn Christie, the actress who plays Brienne of Tarth on Game of Thrones, was not submitted for an Emmy nomination by HBO. She submitted herself. She was nominated for an Emmy as well she should have been because she's a phenomenal, phenomenal actor. Sometimes you got to be your own wingman. Sometimes you got to be your own salesperson. Sometimes <laughs> you got to fly your own flag, man. I got no problem with Marcus Stroman coming out and saying, I'm good. I want to play for a winner. If you get me, you're going to get a winner. I, I like that dude. I wouldn't trade Brandon Rogers for him. And again, that's off the table right now. But I'd give up quite the haul for that guy. But not if the Rockies go out here and get swept by the Nationals. Then that's, I don't know. Again, Stroman still helps you next year, so you could maybe still make a move like that. But you can only do that if you offload a bunch of other pieces. I think it'd be fascinating to see them do something like that. To see any team do something like that. Acquire a piece like Stroman. Like, go out and get one of the most sought-after pieces at the deadline, even if you're not sure you're going to compete for the remainder of the season and then sell off a bunch of veteran pieces and give all of their playing time to Ryan Maltapia, Garrett Hampson, Jesus Tinoco, and Yancy Almonte. Like, <laughs> just, and just see what happens. It would be interesting. But let's all, let's all pay very close attention to this series with the Washington Nationals because there's a reason one of the most famous sayings and phrases in American literature i don't know in american verbiage in the history of talk in america comes from baseball and comes from the late great yogi berra who of course reminded us all that it ain't over until it's over this comes from baseball for a reason it ain't over watch this space 
All right, thank you all for tuning in today. Thank you for our Facebook Live questions. You guys are always fantastic. Make sure you're following us on the social media at BSN Rockies, at Drew Creaseman, at Patrick D. Lyons. Give us a like, share, and subscribe on Facebook or whatever podcast app you happen to be using out there. Subscribe to bsndenver.com so you can read Patrick Lyons' fantastic article on Roy Halladay, Colorado's own. He was out there at the Hall of Fame this week. Got some really great stuff done there. Uh, I thought it was one of the better pieces that we've had up this year. So uh, make sure that you, you set aside some time to read that. And if you haven't yet, that's the perfect reason to subscribe to bsndenver.com so you can read the Roy Halliday article, check out some of his pictures from the Hall of Fame stuff, his conversation with Jim Tomey, who was always one of my favorites, and then you get a free T-shirt out of the deal. So there's really no reason not to do it at this point. Uh, <laughs> and if you have done so, then I can only thank you for continuing to be absolutely awesome. I promise you I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark. What's up, guys? Ryan Konigsberg here, and I got to tell you about the Blake Street Tavern. It's my favorite sports bar in town, as evidenced by the fact that we had our fantasy draft there. It's where I watched Super Bowl 48. It's where I watched CU win a Pac-12 basketball championship back in the day. Uh, It's the place to be for any sporting event. It's the biggest bar in town. I always joke you could land a 747 in there. It was named the National Sports Bar of the Year in 2017 by Nightclub and Bar Magazine. It wins Best Sports Bar in Denver seemingly every year from Westward, anyone else that's voting. It's the place to be. Uh, They've got great specials, and the food is out of this world. I recommend the nachos, the green chili fries, uh, the buffalo chicken wrap. You name it, they've got it. And the location is perfect, just two blocks north of Coors Field, and they have parking. So go check out the Blake Street Tavern.